Hey friends, welcome back to the Create Different Podcast. My name is Fatima Chantel, your host. This is a show about records and culture. And we're going to pick up where we left off. This is part two of our conversation with Elise Leslie, aka Naturally Elise. Okay, so you are a part of a group called the R&B Representatives, right? Yes. Okay, tell me more about this group, this project that you got. All right. So the R&B Representatives is me and my one of my bestest, bestest friends, um, JR. Mm-hmm. And we started... So the show kind of happened by accident, kind of, sort of, because me and JR, we had talked the previous year before the pandemic about wanting to do a podcast. But then, mm-hmm. like, life kind of happened and mm-hmm. and just kept on putting it off and then kind of kind of forgot about it. And then, then the pandemic came. Mm. Lockdown came. And so, you know, a whole lot more free time, for one mm-hmm. thing. And me and Jar were talking one day. He was like, "Why don't we um, why don't we just do a live? We'll get on. Um, we'll just make, we'll just pick a topic and we'll just get on and talk and see if people come in and talk with us. You know, just something to do, right?" Mm-hmm. Man, when I tell you from that first live and the reaction that we got from people, that was on there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it like we didn't expect it it wasn't anything we were you know necessarily planning to do or anything and it just it caught on and our friends and and other people that watch were like oh when y'all gonna do another one we're like okay and then I remember me and JR was like well we need to come up with a name for ourselves or whatever you know when we do stuff and I couldn't think of anything to call it and he made a big long list of possible names. He was like, "Here's a list." He's like, "I don't know." And then <laughs> I was looking at the different names, like, "Nah, nah." And then R&B representers, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that's it." He's like, "Really?" He's like, "That's the one I thought was kind of." Eh. I was like, "No, that's it." It's like, and it's a, you know, a nice little alliteration. It just rolls out the tongue. I like it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so from there we were just doing lives, um weekly um is really fun and more and more people were coming in and um you know people were asking what else are y'all gonna do and um I came to I was like JR we should we should start a show and, uh, and he was like oh he's like an interview show I was like not exactly I was like I don't really necessarily love interviews in traditional format I was mm-hmm. like how about we bring on people in the music industry, but have them talk about whole albums that aren't their albums, if, if they happen to be like a singer or something like, just talk about music. And and when we started doing it, we realized we learned, um, one of our early guests was uh, Brian Alexander Morgan, um, you know, the behind, you know, the person behind SWV's early big hits. And, mm-hmm. um, and, we did we uh we talked about Stevie Wonder Key's um songs in the key of life and through the show we didn't bring up SWV because I know he's used to you know every interview that's the first thing people are going to ask him about naturally and um and we didn't bring it up but it actually ended up coming up organically in talking about Stevie Mm. and I was and and after that show I was like we we, we're on to something we got to know more about him through talking about someone else's music than talking about his music. And it was like, Eureka. 
this is it. <laughs> so yes, the name of the show is Catch That. And then after we were doing that, um, and that was going really well, I was like, JR, I have an idea. I was like, why don't we invite our friends or people we know to talk about their favorite R&B songs? And then we can get to know, just like we get to know these music industry people through um, through songs that, that you know have, they have a connection to. How about just regular, regular, everyday people that ain't don't have music podcasts? They just they just listeners. They just audience. Mm-hmm. And man, it's been beautiful. And we really have gotten to know people. We people bring songs we never expect from them, and, and it's just really cool, you know. So that is it's been a dope experience. Cool. And so, um, where can people see the show? Um, the show is on YouTube. Um, you could go to um, our channel is called the R&B Representers. But I mean, we also have a website and all the YouTubes are up there. And it's just rnbreps.com. And, and everything is posted up there. And we were doing a radio show for a while. And we have all our archive episodes of our radio show, too, on our website. Okay. I got to get on there myself and catch up. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> um. Oh, something that I also wanted to ask you about are producers. Who are some of your favorite R&B production teams? Oh, yes. Gamble & Huff. Mm. Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. Yes. Chucky Booker. Mm, yes. Kashif. Mm, oh, man. R.I.P. Huge, hugely Kashif, yes. Um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, let's see. Uh Babyface. Yes. For sure, for sure. Teddy Riley. Mm. Because look. Oh man. Those are those 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 are my big ones. But but my but the favorite on that list is uh Gamble and Huff. And then it's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis after that. Yes. <laughs> for me. Yes. Those man, the things they were able to do for artists, especially like Alexander O'Neill? Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Alexander O'Neill. We just recently did a, a show with somebody about uh, an Alexander O'Neill album, and it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. I do love me some Alexander O'Neill. Who do you think could go up against Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis in versus? <laughs> Shit. Oop. Because uh, that catalog, baby, I don't know. <laughs> I think the only person that could have went up against him would have been Babyface, and he still wouldn't win, but it would be the closest competition, honestly. <laughs> right. Because they just they just created a sound that nobody could duplicate. Like, it was just, oh, man. And and it spanned so long, you know, you know, mm-hmm. from SOS span and beyond, you know? So it's, ah, oh, man. It's a side note. It just made me think. <laughs> have you ever seen them in anything other than those black trench coats and black fedoras? <laughs> Not on stage, maybe. Ooh. Every now and then on, on the gram, but on stage, it's <laughs> always that uniform. Even if it's not the trench coats, it's still all black. All black. <laughs> and it's going to be a suit. Yeah, with, maybe with some shades, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the shades. Maybe a hat. <laughs> the hats. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen them on stage or anything. Not that ever. Oh my God, that's a look. I love them. Yes. Do you listen to any current R&Bs, like stuff that's, you know, come out over the last couple of years? Um. Yeah, I've I've listened to like her and Jasmine Sullivan mm, and of um, who else has been on my radar? Uh, um, when I listen to like SZA stuff and Summer Walker, yes. Alex Isley, um, who else? It's a few others that I'm leaving out my brain. That are escaping me, but um, but I also listen to a lot of uh, like Foreign Exchange and mm. um, and so, and then the new Foreign Exchange artist, Be My Fiasco, she's super dope, super dope. Just put out an album. In fact, we talked with her on our show. It was she's uh, she's so sweet and funny and sassy and oh my goodness, mm. the album slaps. Um. Let's see. It's some other people I'm leaving out. Can I throw a couple of names out there and get your opinion? Yeah. Okay. Um, Anderson Pack. Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, I, 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 yeah. I'm a huge Anderson fan. Okay. What do you think about Silk Sonic and Bruno Mars? I Hello? think. Uncle Barry's still there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a telling pause? No, no. I, I definitely dig the album. I can say that I was a little underwhelmed, mm. but I like what it does for R and B so much. And like I like them individually. I just, I, it's one of those things where I came expecting probably way too high, and I should have just came in with it like fresh, just no expectations. Um. But because, I, like, I love Bruno and I love Anderson, and mm-hmm. so I, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and I still need time to sit with it because it's still, you know, Same. still haven't been out super long. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes my my opinions of albums evolves over time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we'll see. But I do love what it does. I love it putting R and B out front. I'm hoping it makes people go back and listen to some of the styles that they're, you know, re, you know, recreating and doing and that people do explore and see where that comes from. Um, you know, I hope someone sees Bruno and it, and someone says, well, that's what the time was doing. And it makes them go back to the time mm. and see what Morris Day and them were doing and, and just get kind of a history. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. it does that. So. Yeah. The two just, very talented people, if anything. Yes. Um, I love to see that these days. <laughs> you know. Now I still am in love with Lead the Door Open now. Don't don't get too yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not being all lukewarm about it. It's just I, I think my expectations <laughs> were I was expecting something different. And and yeah. so and I need time to sit with that. But you know, don't get twisted. I got some bops on there now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Doja Cat. I'm not familiar with her okay. stuff. She surprisingly, for me personally, is 
is making some really good songs. Um, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say vocals, but like overall the songs, some of the songs are just good and fun and different. So okay. and I surprisingly cool. am a fan. I didn't think I would be, but she's very talented. And that's say. cool. And I and and I like to tell people, um, and me and JR say this a lot on the show, like, like, don't get it twisted. We love plenty, you know, people think we're being snobs about vocals and stuff. No, we like plenty of songs with 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 eh vocals. But you know, but what you can't deny is when a song is just a good song, right? And I can't deny it. some of my faves are not the best singers. They can't but, sing, <laughs> but they but they can deliver a song. It's right. a difference, you know. And there's a whole lot of people that sing real, 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 real good, mm -hmm. and they just don't make good songs. And I'm talking legends and stuff too. They just don't make good songs, but they can, you know. So. You, it's, yeah, you gotta have absolutely. a little boat you can't have just one mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and I think her, you know sometimes there's different music for different moods like sometimes you have your music you be listening to while you're driving mm -hmm. uh, getting ready to go out go to the gym you know I'm a fan okay, um, you have to check out something and, and I've actually heard people say that like they didn't think that they were gonna like it and and, and they like really really love it so I believe it Okay. Um, have you heard Victoria Monet? Yes. Yes. That's one of the people I couldn't think of their name. I, I very much enjoy her. Yes. How about the internet? Oh, girlfriend. I love the internet. I have internet vinyl. I'm obsessed. And I was late, late on the bus for them. And yes. I wish I'd have known about them from the day they debuted because I love the internet. <laughs> Yes, me too. I was late too. And I think that's one of the last concerts I went to, uh, you know, pre-COVID. And it was just a fun time. Like, they're so dope, you know. And mm -hmm. I think they're young too. So for them to be like yeah. a band and stuff like that, I think, you know, they're, they're really dope. And actually, I missed the opportunity to see them. Um, one year they were on the, they were on uh, Articool Festival, which is a festival that we used to have in here in Durham, North Carolina. And, um, but I didn't go, it was the weekend of my birthday. I remember very vividly. And I was, I had bronchitis. Mm. And so I had already bought passes for the whole weekend of the show. The day of my birthday was when the internet um, was going to be there, but I, I didn't really know. Like I said, I was late. I didn't really know who they were. So I opted out of that concert and went to another event they had at a small venue to see Donnie. And so, mm. <gasps> which ended up being the better decision because I love Donnie. I'm like, wait, Donnie be performing? He, he's out there? Yeah, he and he performed. Um, now, this was like six, five or six years ago. So, um, but he he hadn't been doing anything that year, but he came just for the article and he performed the colored section mm. from the beginning to the end. I might have passed out if I was there. But let me tell you, it was <laughs> in the venue it was, I was so sick. But I was just like, I gotta get something out of this ticket. And I this was the best use of my time was to come to this. <laughs> Child was in, I was at the bar getting hot tidies. Like I was just trying to hold it together. <laughs> so I missed, I didn't get to see the internet, but I did get to see Donnie. And um, so that might have been ended up being my gateway to them, but it, it wasn't to be. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Okay. How about Sir? I haven't gone deep into Sir. I know, I know JR rocks with a lot of it. I haven't gone deep 
into it though. I do enjoy his his vocals and the production. Um, I do love his voice, but I haven't. It's one of, you know sometimes you be meaning to go and and kind of go down a rabbit hole and listen to something and you just don't get around mm-hmm. to it. So it's kind of the case of that. The holidays are here, and there's still time to get a last minute gift. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, might I recommend records? That's right, records. Crateism is not only a podcast, but we are also an online record shop. You can buy all the dopest wax. We also have a vinyl subscription club that is curated by me. Some of our previous records of the month have been Queen Latifah's All Hell the Queen, Nipsey Hussle's Victory Lap, the Insecure soundtrack. Are you team Lawrence or are you team Nathan? I can't believe that show is ending. You know, speaking of ending, 2022 is the last year that we are doing our vinyl club. So subscriptions are 30% off through the whole month of December. Um, You can sign up for three months or 12 months. There's no code needed. Just head over to the website, shopcrateism.com. But you know, maybe you're one of those people who's like, I don't like getting records in the mail. I don't like shopping records online. I need to go into a record store. I need to feel the album. I need to see the artwork. Maybe you're one of those people. If that's the case, we got you. You can also shop Crateism in person inside of 12's Wax in Sacramento, California, in Oak Park at 3324 Broadway. So let's talk about records and let's talk about how you got into record collecting. So how did it all start? So it all started, I guess, I guess at this point, like seven or eight years ago, um, I have a really good DJ friend and he was getting, um, I mean, he had just gotten rid of a lot of albums. And right when he did that, um, actually the uh, college I went to, North Carolina Central University, their library was purging some things and them (laughs) knowing he was a DJ and um, he's done a lot of stuff at the university. They were like, we have all these records from the library you can go through and see what you want and keep it and he was like he was like I just knew you were a music lover so the reason I said yes that I'll come and get the records he was like he's like so you could go through them and pick out which ones you want and I was like oh gosh I was like at this point I own zero records okay Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and so he brought me the box of records and I kept most of them because they were really great albums and they were in really great condition and then they had like all these clap and then they had and a lot of that stuff was like you know soul r&b music but Mm -hmm. then they had all these box sets of um (gasps) orchestras symphony music um like these tchaikovsky box sets and all this kind of stuff and so i have all those because i'm actually you know a closet classical huge classical music fan so So I'm like, oh my gosh, is this kismet that that's what I end up getting? So just from there, like, I was like, in fact, when he gave me the records, I didn't even have a record player yet. Like, it was just, so after that, that just was a spark. And I was just like, you know what? I would like to own records so I can have, like, I can tangibly have the music. Like, that appeals to me to have music that I can also touch, you know, so... What would you say your collection consists mostly of? Is it mostly, you know, R&B and soul? Yeah, it is mostly 70s R&B and soul. I would say probably 75% of it. Um, okay. 
And then after that, 80s stuff. And but like I said, I have a lot of like the blue-eyed soul stuff, but I also have some rock stuff. I like have Beatles and mm-hmm. I really love I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan, so I have a bunch of Rolling Stones albums and okay. um you know, and like I said before, like Average White Band and Doobie Brothers and I really love Steely Dan, so I got a bunch of Steely oh, Dan yes. albums. So we forgot just, about Steely Dan when talking yes. about blood, so we was tripping. Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have you know some stuff like that. I got some hip hop in there because you can't tell from my record collection and the fact that I'm an R and B representative, but I'm actually a way bigger hip hop head than I am an R and B head. Mm. Interestingly enough, so I do have some. Um, rap vinyl sprinkled in there like Eric B, Rakim and um Black Moon. The classics. Um, you know, Kendrick Lamar, mm. some tribe, Wu Tang. I'm like the big, big, big Wu Tang head. So I got Wu Tang and I got, you know, Raekwon and ODB and all that, you know, all the solo stuff too. Oh um, nice. You know, and Fuji's and stuff like that. I have, you know, this hip hop sprinkled in there. So I like to ask people who have a lot of golden era hip hop in their collection, like that classic 90s stuff. Did any of that ever lead you to, um, by way of the samples, to anything new that you probably didn't grow up with, like jazz samples, stuff like that? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, some of the more obscure, like jazz samples, yes, hip hop led me to, but like, a lot of the stuff when I heard the samples in hip hop, I was like, I know, I know that. Mm-hmm. You grew up on that, yeah. And even some of the deeper cuts, because now I won't say my mother was a big music head, but she had lots of records, mm-hmm. and so she didn't necessarily really listen to them all the time. However, with my brain, the way it works, when I when I get into something, I want to read everything about it. I want to look at the liner notes. I want to see who did what. And this and and so it's a lot of music that I know from my mother's time that she's like I don't know what that is you know so, <laughs> mm-hmm. necessarily or well, I don't remember that and it's right. like well yeah it's just like deep cut so a lot of that stuff I did know but yeah some of the more obscure jazz stuff um and then every now a song will get you you'd be like wait a minute I didn't know that but um so because like I, I had always knew like been into like rotary connection and all that so that was obscure for other people, but that was something that I already was familiar with. Ah, okay. And so I hear the hip hop song, like, I know that, I know that. <laughs> or or at least a, that's very familiar, you know, so. One of the first songs that comes to mind, I think, is uh, Let Me Ride, when Dr. Dre released it on The Chronic. But I'm yeah. like, I've been knowing this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> so how many records do you think you own um it's a little over a thousand Ooh, okay yeah i don't know the exact number because i've been bad like anything i got over the past couple of years i hadn't really been cataloging it like i'm usually pretty diligent about it and i have not been <laughs> <laughs> do you um put your catalog on the stocks Yep, it's up on Discogs, which I oh I need to update it so badly. Um, I'm gonna take a day to sit and do that one day, but um, yeah, up on Discogs. 
I think I think it's up there as naturally a lease, or it might just be my the government. I'm not I can't remember. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so as far as organizing your records at home, if you need to find something, is it alphabetical? Is it by genre? It's alphabetical. Um it's certain exceptions. Um, like for example, with uh Shaka Khan, like the Rufus stuff and the mm. Shaka Khan is together under Khan. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <it's, laughs> um, you know, I, I don't usually separate separate it. It's just somebody, you know, featuring. Um, but yeah, they're in alphabetical order, but the classical stuff I have separate. Um, okay. It's in its own little little section, but, um, but yeah, everything else is alphabetical. Okay. And what was the last record you listened to? Um, let me see. I'm going to pull it up off of the <laughs> okay it was Adriana Evans <gasps> she only had one album right or am I no she had multiple albums but I um uh I don't think she has in this this was a single of seeing is believing oh, in oh, reality yes. from her debut mm-hmm. but um I don't think any songs or any albums outside of the debut are on vinyl okay but it's some stuff now the debut is not on spotify but her later her albums after that are and they are amazing like some of them i had i mean i didn't know about them and going back and like it's some gems on there that's good to know because once you mentioned her her name i'm like I just remember that that debut album being so amazing and I want to go back and listen to it. So I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. let me uh, see if I can just stream it real quick. But you're saying it's not out there, so. Yeah, I don't know if it's on any other format, but I use Spotify and it's not on there. So, okay. um, but you can definitely, it's definitely on YouTube. Okay. But uh, the reason I was listening to that and had that on in particular is because we just did an interview um, with Dart Adams about that album about that debut album Mm. so so that's why that was the last one (laughs) dang it was a great album (laughs) it it is it's amazing it's very expensive and hard to find on on vinyl but i'm gonna see if i can just get the cd and see if the cd's out there a little more reasonable because i still have a cd i still have cds i have a pretty decent cd collection but it's all cds that i actually bought in the early you know 90s and early 2000s they are they aren't ones i went and collected those are you wasn't just like out last weekend like buying cds or anything right you've been i I got them in real time (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and i just never got some of them i got rid of but um it's still a big chunk that i still have so i I decided i'm gonna hold on to them yeah nice (laughs) okay so i want to um pivot a little beyond music if you're open to talking about it um i just noticed on your ig you post a lot about plants oh yes i am a plant lover you know it's just and i grow a garden and stuff outside um i'm just you know just seeing seeing things grow and being a part of them growing and flourishing and also seeing some struggle and bringing them back from the struggle Mm. that's just as powerful as seeing them pretty so yeah that's that's a lovely, lovely, lovely thing. Okay. Have you been doing that for a while? Um, 
it's something I picked back up because I grew up in a house with a lot of plants oh, and gosh. I grew up maintaining a garden. Oh, um, but then it's something I kind of abandoned for a long time. Mm. But um, I just one I I think my mom had given me a plant one day one of one of her plants from her house and then and then I, when I would go in the store I'm like oh I pick up a plant and then I was like okay yeah this is something I love why am I not doing it anymore <laughs> right yeah so it's it's a very okay. peaceful thing it brings me a lot of peace and speaking of peace I also noticed you post a lot about self-care or as you hashtag it selfie care <laughs> yes <laughs> can you talk about that a little bit oh yeah absolutely um you know you 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 can't do your best and give to others if you're not if you're not feeling good if you're not taking care of yourself you know and mental health is a very important thing and you know and mental illness is something that I have dealt with so like the best thing is to maintain yourself, whether that's buying some records, like sometimes that's my self-care. Sometimes it's the plants, you know, sometimes it's listening to music, sometimes it's writing about it or or getting pretty and taking a picture of myself and seeing me at my best mm-hmm. and and see other people love that. Like that's a good feeling. Absolutely. So um yeah, it's just so important. You gotta you gotta take care of yourself. You only get one you. So, you know, to do your best with that, that one you, you got. So I love that. Do you have anything else that you want to say about records or about any projects that you're working on or music period? Just would love folks to check out the R&B representatives. I think what we're doing is important to um, just to give people their flowers and just to educate folks and, you know, maybe getting people to discover music that they never you know, knew about before or with a different lens or, and um, so yeah, check out R&B representatives and the stuff that we do. I, it's just, it's brought me so much joy going back to self-care. It's been a exercise in self-care for me to do it. So, um, you know, I just really want to share it with people. That's my baby right now. <laughs> okay. And can you give out all the IGs for um, your partner as well? Everything? Yes. Um, yeah, on IG, it's, well, for me, you can find me naturally on everything. But also um, my co-host with R&B Representers is JR World of Soul. Um, that's him on um, all platforms as well. See, he's the person to talk to, to talk about the newer things, because he does, he does a show under his name that is about new R&B. He, he has his ear more to the ground than I do, but I should more, but he's... He's the guy for that. And like I said, R&B representers on YouTube, on Instagram. We're also on Twitter. So, yeah. The social media we do the most is Twitter. So if you're a Twitter person, that's definitely the place to connect with us. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. This was fun. All right, that wraps up our interview with Elise Leslie. Thank you so much again, everyone, for tuning in to the Crateism podcast. If you have some time, don't forget to rate on Apple Podcasts, share the show with a friend. We really appreciate your support. We can be found on IG 
at Crateism, where we sell records, and uh, Crateism Podcast, where you can follow up and keep up with the show. Okay, until the next episode. Hello? Hey, what's up? Oh, we're connected. Oh, hold on. I, hold on. Let me turn this music off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, my bad. Um, well, I'm glad you can join me. And I'm glad that we're connected because usually every time I do this, I have some kind of problem. So I'm glad that we were able to just connect right away. <laughs> right. I, I'm kind of tech. I'm kind of tech savvy, so I can get it pretty quick. Oh, OK. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad we're finally getting <laughs> to do this. Um, right. Do you have any questions for me before we get started? Um, no, just, just fire away. Like I said, I know I'm an open book. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll answer anything and, and I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty well versed, so I don't need to be prepped on a lot of stuff. I'm pretty off the cuff with it. Cool. Cool. I'm, I might learn something. So I'm excited. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I like to, this is on the, now we're officially recording. Okay. So I like to start, oh, hold on one sec. Okay, now let's go. Okay, so I like to start off every interview with the following question. State your name mm-hmm. and where you're from. Um, my name is Rob Nice. I'm from Brevard County, Melbourne, Florida area, the Space Coast. Okay, okay, welcome. Thank you. Um, now you are a record collector, um, obviously, uh, for you're people right. that know you on IG. So let's let's take it back before records. Let's just talk about music. What are your first memories of music and how did you get into it? Um, well, I came from a very uh, musical household. So everybody in the house was playing music from my mother to my grandmother to my uncle, dad. I mean, any house that I went to, there was always records being played or music being played in the car. Yeah. The house. Yeah, very little, little TV, you know, but a lot of it in the evening was mostly 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 music playing okay and so what music do you remember hearing at that time um well i stayed a lot with both of my grandmothers so my mother's mother had basically was country so i heard a lot of country like original like conway twitty and and dolly parton and you know a lot of those early country artists and then my my other grandmother was born to like classical big band like Glenn Miller and Burt Camfort and all that. So I heard a lot of those growing up. Okay. And at what point do you um, get into funk and soul? Well, my uncle was, was real diverse. I mean, I was hearing like a lot of psychedelic rock and a lot of like T-Rex, but it was mm. actually, my, actually my mom was real eclectic in her musical taste we had the eagles playing and then she would also play ramsey lewis and so it was just a whole mis- mishmatch of a lot of different um music it, that i was hearing and i just more gravitated towards soul and it just it just it just stuck with me okay and so at what point do you start collecting records well of course you know i fell in with i fell in love with this thing called hip-hop so mm. it's so when you get in love with hip hop, you start listening and you're like, oh, samples. So you start mm-hmm. listening to samples and it's like it kind of gravitates from there. And I started dabbling in DJing, of course, when I was probably 14 or 15. 
And from there, it was just going and searching for records and stuff. And then you start to go from making mixtapes to I want to find the samples of the songs that I like. Yeah. And that's, that's where you start going down the rabbit hole because it's it's a whole new level when you start discovering artists because you know this is this is early late 80s early 90s so there was no internet there was no instagram it was like it was all word of mouth and you just basically went on labels alone and that was it yeah i'm i'm thinking like as far as that golden era of hip hop i i i would have to say one group that really got me like looking for the original artists was the tribe called quest Absolutely. I was like, whoa, I've never, like, I grew up on funk and soul, but some of these songs I've never heard in my life. Um, yeah. What What about you? Like, what, what um, you know, hip-hop artists or producers from the 90s or albums really got you surging? Um, I would, you know, being, being from growing up in Florida, a lot of the stuff that I hear locally would have been Two Live Crew, a lot of the Two Live mm -hmm. Crew stuff. And people don't give them enough credit because Mr. Mix did a lot of deep sampling. I mean, he was doing hmm. stuff like he was sampling those comedy records, you know, like. That's true. Yeah. And he was sampling a lot of break beats and stuff like the Amen break. I mean, it was just a lot of stuff. And, you know, you know, Two Live Crew is known for their raunchiness, but mm -hmm. Mr. Mix's production was top notch. I mean, they were they were sampling just as much as New York was, you know. But as far as New York hip hop, uh, yeah, definitely got to put Tribe. I loved all of the DITC crew. I mean, Diamond D, you know, OC, all those cats, you know, Buckwild. Those guys were going deep into the crates. And I'm like, yo, these guys are on another level type of digging right now. Right. Well, I, I never really thought about Two Life Crew in that way. But now that I'm, I haven't listened to Two Life Crew in a really long time. But now I am thinking about those, you know, those comedy samples that were mixed in there. So. Okay. Okay. Um, any, any West coast 90s stuff? Um, of course, you no know, NWA and, and a lot of the stuff. Um, Cause of course being, you know, showing my age, you know, I grew up, I, I would, I was a break dancer too. So, and I had lived actually in Las Vegas before we moved to Florida. So I was hearing a lot of like the LA dream team and, you know, Dr. Dre and from world-class wrecking crew when he was with them. So a lot of electro funk too, and then, of course, when you really start to transition, then you start, you know, the gangster rap and Ice T and, you know, and uh, King T and all those cats. Mm. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. These guys, these guys are sampling, too. So it's just like you're just like, oh, man, I, I have to find some of the stuff that they're finding, you know, because I'm like, it's it's, you know, the, the way they're flipping it. I'm like, I need to either incorporate that. And of course, you know, I want I migrated into making music myself, too. So nice. Yeah, I think King T is just so underrated whenever people talk about west coast hip-hop like absolutely absolutely wise i think that was was it dj poo oh yeah absolutely i mean dj i mean dj poo put a lot of groundwork for a lot of these cats you know that that influenced and you know same as like you know dre was coming up but they all influenced each other and you know and it migrated up into the you know into uh, the bay area and you had like mm -hmm. you know and of course, Del the, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. I don't think he gets a lot of credit. No. Nope. He was, he's Ice Cube's cousin. So you're like, right. oh, these cats are all connected. And it's like, yeah, that's, see, that's, that's what I like. I like how it just, it was just kind of a, a conglomerate of just really cool intellectual minds coming together and finding these great samples and creating this, this timeless music. 
Yeah, and I have to, I mean, I'm originally from the Bay Area, so I just have to say, I feel like the Bay is underrated in general. Like, there was, the Bay kind of had its own sound as far as hip-hop goes with sampling and with funk and a lot of the producers out there. Um, right. So I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, and but you, but nobody really gives it, but you got to think, man, Too Short was the one that really put the Bay Area on the map. I mean, we were, yeah. we were, we were bumping Too Short down here when he was still selling Born the Mac out of the trunk of his car. I had the bootleg tape all the way in Florida. So that lets you know Ooh. how heavy his influence was, you know, and he influenced people even up into Detroit when you had, um, MC Breed and all them cats, you know, you could tell they were being influenced by a lot of that 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 G funk and that bounce sound that they were that they were doing in the Bay Area. Absolutely, yep. I I remember when I heard "Ain't No Future in Your Friend," I wasn't exactly sure where MC Breed was from. Right, I was like this sound sounds it, it was very West Coast to me. Very West Coast, absolutely. And and that's just it. This is really cool how how regions will have a certain sound and sometimes you're like where, where are these cats from you know it's just it's so it, it's just so neat how music influences masses like that and can in, and just influence an entire region and and a whole the sound of music it's it's, just, it's fantastic absolutely okay let's talk about um your record collection okay um so i, I always got the impression like most of your collection is soul and funk is that yeah, I would. It. Yeah, I would. I would definitely say soul and funk. A lot of, a lot of uh, late '60s through probably mid to late '70s is probably the majority chunk of my collection. Okay, and how do you decide what music to buy or what records to buy? Was it is it kind of based on like, you know, what we were talking about earlier, like the stuff you heard growing up and the stuff that you kind of of your youth that was influenced by hip hop like how, how do you decide what records to buy well a lot of it you know when you do it for so long it's labels definitely mm. you look for certain labels you look for certain producers you look for certain musicians like if you know that people are certain session musicians like you know like Harvey Mason is a fantastic session drummer he's had his own stuff he's played with everybody and you know Harvey Mason's groove so you're like okay if he's Harvey Mason's on here even if the record is one song and there's good you know you're going to get something kind of funky out of it so that's kind of how I base it you know and of course the knowledge I've obtained from you know IG and and other people but it's still I still go like I don't carry a portable record player with me I don't sit there and go oh, I'm going to listen to it it's like I buy it basically based on cover like what I said cover label musicians that are playing on it and that's how I go with it nice so do you have any um, favorite labels like, you know, T-Neck, Kurtum, Motown? Um, oh, Kurtum is always, you know, always a good label. But um, I like a lot of uh, obscure labels, too, you know, like like one offs, like one of them, like, you know, like regional stuff. I It's so hard to find now, but uh, like stuff from the Carolinas, stuff from Virginia, you know, these like one off, you know, just funk soul bands that might have put out one record or 145 and you're like, you know, they put their heart and soul into this thing. You know, they weren't a, they weren't a label band. They were like just putting their heart. And that's what usually they come out with the best sound and stuff. And that's why it's so sought after. But, but a lot of the big labels, of course, you know, I mean, anybody who, you know, any of the soul labels we know, um, you know, you, of course your Motowns and stuff like that. But, but some of the, um, the ones that I, off the top of my head, like, 
I like a lot of stuff that was from, um, oh, I'm losing my, losing my thought now, but Atlantic, Atlantic put out a lot of great soul records, you know, in, in the sixties and seventies that, you know, other than your, you know, your mainstream artists, there was a lot of secondary artists that recorded on Atlantic as well. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, oop, let's talk about record shopping. Crate digging. <laughs> correct, so, correct. Um, where do you get your records from? Are you more of an online person these days, especially because of COVID, or do you still get out there? No, I don't know. Oh. I don't listen. I, you can call me old school, whatever you want, but I, my zen, my my time where I'm, you know, I can be able to focus is when I'm out there looking for records. Mm. You know, to me, this, it's the thrill of the hunt. You know, I have my secret spots that I go to. I have my basics, you know, I hit up every weekend. And considering the area that I'm in, and people wouldn't think it was a hot spot, but I come up with some pretty good stuff around here for really cheap prices because mm -hmm. for some reason, this area here, it's like there's a lot of people that are more into like classic rock, country. Mm -hmm. A lot of the funk, soul, modern soul boogie stuff is just untouched. I love when that happens, although it doesn't happen very often out here. But, no. you know, I'm, I'm more of like a 90s hip hop collector. And Correct. if I go into a record store that's more focused on rock, I just find some gems in there. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> exactly. It's like waiting for you. Like, oh, yeah, this was meant to be. This was meant to be. Now, I think I've been following you on IG for a couple of years now. But I, oh, yeah. I do recall, like, when I first started following you, you mm -hmm. would post this stuff and say like, oh, this was only two bucks. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 st I still do it in a sense, you know, but it's like I've kind of backed off of it because, you know, for a while it was just like it was like it was digging for gold because actually me and Hakeem were this, you know, we were literally side by side and going out and hitting these spots. And we were just coming up away with stuff for just for 50 cents and a dollar. And it's like, it just, I was like, we were, it was unheard of. It was, it was just, it was a wild time. It was really, really abundant right at that point. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, okay. So, you know, I'm in California and mm -hmm. like the crate digging scene out here is pretty serious. There's a lot oh, of yeah. dealers out here. <laughs> It's very yes. competitive. And I think that's part of the reason why I was really shocked. I'm like, you got that for $2? But now right. you were recently in LA, right? Yes, I was. Yes, I was in July. Okay. This, was this your first time out here? Um, I had been out many, 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 many years ago. But yeah, that was my first time like as of recent, you know, of an adult age, put it that way. Okay. So I would love to hear about your um, crate dicking adventures in LA. Oh, um, yeah. I went to... Um, of course, I went to Record Jungle. I went to Record Ari. I went oh, yeah. to, yeah, and I went to Moonshine. Moonshine is such a solid dude. So I've nice. I've never man. been there. Okay. Such a great cool. guy. Such a great guy, man. And he's just, you know, he knows his stuff. And we sat there for a long time and chopped it up and talked music. And it was great. And he was, he was a really good guy. I mean, and I also went to the one of the last spots I went was the last bookstore downtown. Oh one of my personal favorites that a lot of people yeah. don't know about because I think it's just the bookstore. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That was, that wasn't, that was very good. Cause I had found a record in there that I had honestly, since I've gotten back, I had not stopped playing this record. It's, it's one of those ones you're like, 
it just it like it resonates with my soul they it, everything on that that record is fantastic would you like to share what record it is I sure would. And, and I, I always encourage people, you know, I'm always about sharing music. I'm not one to hide it and tuck it away and just play it for myself. Music's meant to be heard for everyone. That's why we make it is uh, Opus 7. Okay. I was, I had known about the record. I had known people that had it and I had a copy and I found a promo copy for a really good price out there. And I'm like, it is just, it is phenomenal. If you don't have it, even look it up on um, Spotify. It's on there. And I'm telling you, you're going to be like, Thank you for that. 